You're listening to Praxis Makes Perfect by REI. Hi, I'm Carol, Education and Communications Advisor at REI. Hi, I'm Melissa, EDI Institutional Initiative Advisor at REI. And I am Christine. communication and education advisor as well, as well at REI. Welcome back, Christine. <laughs> so Christine was on math leave. She's back and helping us do our first actual new episode of Praxis Makes Perfect with the REI team. Today's episode, You're in Luck, is another two-part episode, and it's about Caribana also known as Carnival or Carnival. Now, many of us recognize this celebration as the quintessentially colorful, glamorous, and globally renowned festival celebrating Caribbean culture that happens annually here in our own backyard, Toronto. Now, most of us think about a big street party when it comes to Caribana. But did you ever think about the origins of this celebration? While we will talk a little bit about how Caribana and Carnival was started here in Toronto in the 60s, what we mean by origins is the reason why Caribana takes place at all. More importantly, what is Caribana celebrating? Fortunately for us here at REI, we have Melissa, who has not only been active in Caribana, but hails from the Caribbean. Hey, come on, Melissa, tell us. Where you grew up. (laughs) So I grew up on the beautiful island of St. Lucia, which is in the West Indies, in the Caribbean. But I think before we dive into the origins of Caravana, I think we should start with the origins of Carnival. Carnival is a form of resistance. The festival originated in Italy with Roman Catholics, and it was later spread to the French. The French colonizers later brought the tradition to the Caribbean islands. Carnival is traditionally a pre-Lantern celebration that occurs in February before Ash Wednesday. Hence why the parades in the islands are still held on Monday and Tuesday. It is said that Carnival is a farewell to meat, flesh, and vices during Lent until Easter. Wow. Well, I can actually relate to that a little bit. The feral to meat part or even in anticipation of fasting because that leads to an occasion to actually indulge in some of the things, you know, growing up Catholic, some of the things that tend to be banned before they're banned, right? Like the weeks before. I remember my my aunts cooking up a storm. (laughs) Let's eat meat. Not allowed next week, something like that, right? But we definitely don't have uh, a similar, uh, just as colorful tradition of the carnival, though. So can you tell us a little bit about uh, how it all started then? You know, how it leads to what we have now as carnival or carabana? Yes, so it is widely believed that the first carnival 
in the Caribbean occurred in Trinidad and Tobago in the late night in the late sorry 18th century when a flood of French settlers brought the Fat Tuesday masquerade party tradition with them to the island. They excluded the enslaved from the festival and lavish masquerade balls. After emancipation, however, the carnival transformed into a celebration of the end of slavery. There are historic accounts of the previously enslaved participating to simply mock their captors. I think that this post from New York Caribbean, run by St. Lucia native Theola Fountain, sums it up well. It states that carnival is the ultimate act of resistance against colonial suppression of African expression. Enslaved and free black people use this period of festivity to speak out against social injustice, racial inequity, and the reclamation of space. Squads like the Jamets and the Pisali did the most to intentionally make the white upper class clutch their pearls and faint at the sheer vulgarity of it all. In St. Lucia, Omas is still a big component of Carnival, where people make satirical costumes about the current state and events of the government. Oh, That's wow. Awesome. Yeah. So the political satire part of it is definitely something that really drew me into this uh, theme and topic, especially those, uh, you know, those notes that you shared with me. Uh, the protest, especially the emancipation part. And I guess it gets lost, you know, because for people not familiar with it, you just see the street party, right? So even the way it's promoted nowadays, you know, uh, some do still uh, maintain those uh, links to the history. You know, I, I see all the websites, but if you don't really look, you know, you won't find them necessarily right away. So notably, there are still carnival celebrations and to my mind um what immediately you know uh, it conjures up uh just being so much aware of uh american culture for instance having been from the philippines which is colonized by the u.s <laughs> mardi gras you know in the u.s is a big thing it's it appears to be rooted in a similar colonial encounter or resistance and here i don't want to say colonial tradition because clearly the cultural and political traditions have arguably been turned into something else by the subjects of colonization right so it might have been introduced initially by the colonizer but it now has a really a tradition of protest so what about the significance of the date because we talk about how many of the traditions started a few days you know the week before lent and yet, August is when we actually celebrate Caravana, right? So, actually, I was encouraged when you uh, you introduced those in our notes uh, that link to emancipation and uh, the end of slavery, you know, the, the passage of abolition. And so I looked it up, and it does seem like there is significance there because August 1... Uh, as the official day to commemorate the celebration of the abolition of slavery is, it's true, it's relatively recent because Trinidad and Tobago became the first independent country to commemorate it just in 1985, 
although we know that the passage of abolition into law, you know, of course, just the formal passage of it, it doesn't mean it really, really ended then, <laughs> was also August, August 1 in 1834, which was originally Britain's Abolition Act receiving royal assent. Uh, but yeah, uh, that's that's true. You know, um, I I'd rather like thinking about it in terms of when Trinidad and Tobago, Tobago commemorated it themselves, right? As the as the bigger influence, rather than uh, the, the British Abolition Act. To be honest, right? Because uh, in reality, many of the effects are still felt today, right? But the celebration, you know, uh, now is in August. The first week of August, August 1, uh, is celebrated here in Toronto as Caribana. Is it, uh, is it celebrated at the same time in the Caribbean? No. So back in the day, if we're thinking about Lent, that Lent is a period of 40 days before Easter. So Easter is usually in April, so it would traditionally happen in February. Right, and it would happen the Monday and Tuesday before before Ash Wednesday, and I think due to tourism, the influx and the importance of tourism bringing in revenue for the islands, they decided to separate the carnivals uh, within the different islands and have it during different time periods so that. Many people can attend the different carnivals, mm, okay. a carnival hop, etc. Even if I'm very opposed to the the dependence on tourism as a main source of revenue <laughs> in the Caribbean. Um, at least, even for us in the diaspora, it gives people a chance to experience the different carnivals. Because every year, I guess you'd have to choose which one you'd want to go to if it were all happening oh, at the wow. same time. Yeah. yeah, but even, I think, Kropova in Barbados happens the same, um, the first long weekend in August. Okay. And I think, I'm not sure if this has always been the case, mm-hmm. because for them, it has almost a different meaning. Kropova means reaping the harvest. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah, so yeah. I have to look into their history, but from the time um, I know my well, I'm only, I'm only 30 plus tax, but known <laughs> 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 uh, to me, Krakow has always happened in August. Yeah. Is that HST or GST? <laughs> <laughs> no comment. <laughs> Uh, so something that most people probably notice in Caravan are, you know, the costumes. And while we're going to get into the kind of the colorful, really sexy, glamorous outfits um, that we associate with Caravana, there's actually a lot of significant characters, right, that are represented in the parade. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So in Grenada, after the end of slavery, gangs of recently liberated slaves covered in black grease, molasses, or varnish Took, the, took to the streets and rejoiced in their freedom. And this is where it gets even more interesting because dressing up like this, or what eventually came to be known as a, as a character called the jab, turned, it turned out to be a way for the newly emancipated to mock their former masters. This is one of the oldest carnival characters dating 
back to the days of slavery. The job molassi means molasses devil in French patois. This is what the slave masters used to call their slaves. And Jab, who is represented, covered in grease or molasses, represents the ghost of a slave who met his death by falling into a vat of boiling molasses in a sugar factory. As you may know, sugar was one of the popular crops mm -hmm. that um, the slaves had to work with, reap, so I'm not sure how it was working, how that worked. <laughs> The emancipated knew that their former slave masters referred to them as double devils. In this sense, the job occupies a space between the worlds of life and death. Job is the way we remember our African ancestors, and it also it was also a way of mocking slave masters in front their face without them knowing it. So, the music that comes out of Grenada is actually called Jab Jab. Oh, right? and. Um, every carnival, the practices before the parade on the mm -hmm. streets, so late, early in the morning, it starts to maybe, it depends on the island, or, yeah, it depends on the island, so it could start at like 2 a.m., 3 wow. a.m., you get on the streets, you cover yourself in oil, or some people mm -hmm. use mm -hmm. paints, powder, right? You cover yourself, and you, like, dance in the streets. This is like, and in Trinidad, I think it's still a free practice. For other islands, I think they've added like a monetary value to it. But that for a lot of people, that is like true carnival. And it really ties back to the roots and the history and to just get on the streets and be free. Mm -hmm. Because the monetary aspect of carnival is really becoming an issue for people to participate, right? Because costumes are very, very expensive. In St. Lucia, a good costume is a thousand US. And then you wow. have to account for accommodation, plane travel, etc. So to go to a carnival in the Caribbean is very expensive. And everything is in USD. I'm not sure why <laughs> they can have it in the currency of the island. Even here, costumes would range from maybe I would say 300 to a frontline costume would definitely be a thousand Canadian. Um, and we can get into the different pieces of the of the part of the the mass bands um, a bit later. But can, yeah, can you wear the same costume multiple? No, okay. <laughs> that is a full pack. <laughs> really? What? What, no, you you are, what if you're carnival hopping? Okay, the, the why you can't wear your costume because a competition is happening. Right? So every year, the bands create their themes. Each theme has a different section. Let's say they create um, goddesses, right? So mm -hmm. each uh, section of the mass band will have a different goddess. So you have to wear the costume that's associated with your section because there is a stage. And on the stage, you're being judged. You're being judged by how beautiful the costumes look, how much energy the mascots have, how, like, if there's, like, a performance, how it just, I, I'm not even sure about the categories, but we just know that we're being judged. Mm -hmm. So there's, like, a, a song that came out, it was, like, stay in your section. So <laughs> for each, when you're passing the judges, the sections have to be together because mm -hmm. it has to look coordinated. It can't look 
disorganized. Right. Right. So there are marshals on the road ensuring that when you cross the stage, you're in your section and you're showing the judges basically like a great time. Like you're essentially performing for the judges mm-hmm. at that point. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so a mm-hmm. lot of soca songs you'll hear it reference to crossing the stage mm-hmm. and that's what that means. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's what <laughs> a that A lot means. goes into it. <laughs> so I, I also wanted to ask about the costumes with stilts mm-hmm. because that's a very distinct, you know, feature of the parade. Does it mean anything? Yeah. Um, they're called the Mokul Jambi, and I'm sure different islands have different names for them. Mm-hmm. And they have roots in West African countries. Um, Mokul means healer, and the Jambi means ghost or spirit. In the traditional sense, Mokul is a god with powers of flight, hence the height. And he watches over the village and is able to foresee danger. In this way, our masquerade or even our dance is also rooted in Africa. So yes, the tradition of carnival may have come from the French when they colonized the different islands, but a lot of the traditions, I'm sure the enslaved there also mix their own traditions from Africa yes. with the mm-hmm. entire process and with the tradition of carnival. Mm-hmm. So there's so much to learn and to unpack, you know. I was especially fascinated with the political satire, but also in the topic we have coming up next, which is uh, we hopefully discuss with the team uh, the issue of caravan and consent. But now that we've covered our basic 101 of the reason for Caravana and its origins, let's shift to the tradition of celebrating Caravana here in Toronto, which we noted started in the 60s. Can you talk about this briefly and also maybe tell us what you think about Caravana's continuing significance today? Yeah. Um, as you mentioned before, carnival may look like a street party to many, but for us who truly understand the culture, it is a, a spiritual experience, a march for freedom that honors and pays homage to our ancestors. Today, Caravana is also a fight for space in Toronto from immigrants who constant, consistently feel, or I can say constantly feel, mm-hmm. unwelcome, policed, and discriminated against. Shanice Ansteel, who was one of our panelists last Inclusion Week, posted a very good rundown on her Instagram about the Caribbean Festival here in Toronto. I'll reference a few facts that she shared from her post. The first Caravana Festival, as it was originally called, took place in August 1967 and was one of the first Caribbean festivals to be held outside of the region. Until 1990, it was held on Young Street until it was moved down to Lakeshore. The festival was established by the province of Ontario in 1967 to join in celebrating Canada's 100th birthday. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Personable. <laughs> <laughs> Caravana was driven by community volunteers 
and initially did not receive any funding from any levels of government. Today, the festival is currently North America's largest festival, with a pro cultural festival, sorry, with approximately 1.3 billion people attending the parade annually, and 2 million attending the festivities overall, and it brings in $438 million of economic activity wow. to the city of Toronto. And due to the global pandemic, Caravana is now returning after three years. But I was just reading this and I, I just thought that something that we didn't bring into the conversation is how much Caravana is policed. Oh, yes, yes. Like, mm -hmm. horses, police on horses, like, it's, it's really policed. Has there been a move? to address that, like how pride, pride? Yeah. no, from what I know, there hasn't been actually, and I find that really interesting, or maybe, I'm sure there have been conversations about it, because there are conversations, there have been conversations about it, 100%, but to address it in such a public way, yeah. and to call for the removal of so many officers, and the policing, the hyper-policing at the event, not that I know of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm sure the police would argue that to maintain the crowd or... Do they police the Santa Claus parade in the same way? No. They no. should. <laughs> <laughs> those, those, those children get crazy. And one time, uh, Mayor Ford was giving away candy. We don't know what was in that. No. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, Too much sweets. Hybrid policing going on there. And we can see that for, quite frankly, many black events. Actually, there was That's a fete yeah. that was occurring in, was it Markham the first time? Because there's like a, a place called Markham Fairgrounds. And I think like the first time a party was going to happen there, they shut it down, saying that it was too loud or residents were complaining. Meanwhile, this is in a field, in a res like in a non-residential <laughs> area. There are no residents around, but mm -hmm. I believe that the mayor didn't want that type of event happening in their city. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that type of event meaning an mm -hmm. event with predominantly black people. Mm. So, I and our events have like always been policed. I hear promoters always saying, like, it's so hard to find spaces to hold their events, yes. or the mm -hmm. owners give them such a hard time, mm -hmm. right? Uh, certain restrictions, such as, like, dress codes are mm -hmm. put in place to um, not have certain kinds of people present. It's very, it's, it's a very interesting um, dynamic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I can imagine, especially since Toronto is already known for too many uh, ordinances and regulations, you know, so we're kind of already hyper-regulated, and then add that layer of over-policing, so crazy. I mean, not speaking on caravan events or anything, but there are two well-known places in Toronto that um, a lot of um, black people have had like really bad experiences or they weren't allowed to enter the space, Lavelle and Cactus Club. 
Okay. For example, as like two popular spaces where people have had issues. Mm-hmm. Whoa. I think all of this like helps kind of embody the fact of caravan is still a place of resistance, right? Yeah. But, like, mm-hmm. and that's partly like why it yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nothing can be that feeling on the road. It's like it's just amazing. You just feel free, like I don't know, it's yeah, a different type of feeling. And now I regret not getting a costume for this year. <laughs> Is there not Is still there time? I doubt it. Like you would have to find someone with your size mm. has like specifics. Yeah. To, like, How early usually do you have to prepare? The, the mass camps, they drop costumes. Uh, the mass bands, they make the costumes in the mass camps. Mm-hmm. And they like they physically make them, right? So um, their launches are usually April, May. Late April, early Whoa, May. Very early. So that's okay. when you have to get it. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it takes a while to put all these costumes there's together. Always, there's always next year, Melissa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> always next year, we'll see. What do you do with your costume once you're done with it? You can keep it, you can throw it. Depends on you. How much space you have. <laughs> <laughs> what I used to do, I used to keep the headpieces as decoration. Oh, yeah. yeah. They're fantastic. Yeah. So I just used to replace them yearly mm-hmm. yeah well actually we're going to have to end it here but we will talk more about the costumes in the next part because th- in that part the team will talk about what is a likely key feature of the politics of resistance that is caravana or that caravana is rooted in and this is the way sexuality figures prominently in the way the celebration happens, right? Uh, Melissa will continue to lead our discussion, starting with the Jamet. If you don't know what that is, well then, all the more reason to tune in to part two. Thanks for listening.